This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. This is segment number two. And in this one, Crowley interviews the Cubs field reporter on the marquee network, Taylor McGregor. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, the field reporter for the Chicago Cubs on marquee sports network, Taylor McGregor. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? You know, I'm just enjoying the last couple of weeks before baseball gets started here. I'm excited. Oh, you, those are those are words to my ear. But I did get to see you recently. This is I don't want to say it was your first Cubs con- convention because I remember you being there, I think, in 2020, right? When they kind of did the introductory press conference. Yeah, good memory. Yeah, 2020 right. was the first year, but we only came on Saturday, I think, Um you know, they did the opening ceremonies on Friday. We were not there and then came Saturday. So it was sort of cool to be there on Friday, see the opening ceremonies and and now get to talk to so many people who I might have interacted with online and, and now kind of have a basis of Cubs Nation and, and everyone being there. It was really cool. Yeah, you, you were on the blue carpet. You were signing autographs, you know, interacting with the fans. So as you kind of looked at that, I mean – you know, it, it is the oldest fan convention. It really is something special, and you kind of got to take it in. What did you think about it when it was all said and done? Well, I explain it to a lot of people who don't know Cubs convention. You know, a lot of my friends in Colorado or Arkansas, and they were like, what, what were you doing? Because I posted about it on Instagram. And I was like, you guys, I can't even put it into words until you've been there. I mean, they really take a ton of pride in being sort of the original fan fest, if you will. And they do such a good job. And, and I think for me, I'm such a fan of tradition and kind of a geek when it comes to tradition and just seeing so many old Cubs who come back and, and they enjoy it so much. And they're so excited to be there. Like I get goosebumps thinking about that, how it's really just this family atmosphere. And there's so many legends who they enjoy it just as much as the fans. It's super cool. So I had a ton of fun and I can't wait for more in years to come. Oh yeah. And, and for a lot of us baseball fans, you know, there's someone special in your life that kind of taught you to love and appreciate the game of baseball. You're interesting because you've been around baseball your whole, whole life. Your dad, Kelly, was working with the Colorado Rockies pretty much since the inception of the team in 93, 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Worked his way up the president of, of uh, the Colorado Rockies. What were your earliest baseball memories? What were the things that kind of stuck out in your head about kind of the game of baseball? Well, I always tell people I sort of learned it through osmosis, just being around and seeing the way that players go to spring training and the grind of 162 games, you know, literally living that in a way. And it was, you know, never a player, but just in a, in a way that you do when when you're a family member of someone who works in the front office. And so I would say my earliest 
memories of, of baseball were going to the park on big holidays, you know, Father's Day, Easter, um, some of those big ones, and you would dress up in, you know, your Rockies uniform, and, and it was more of the formal day at the ballpark. I have a lot of fond memories. And I think maybe those memories stand out the most because we have a lot of photos of those <laughs> days um, because there were certainly, you know, tons of nights spent at the ballpark where we maybe didn't have as many pictures. Um, so I think that I, I early memories for me, Todd Helton was my favorite player on the Rockies growing up and, and sort of his early on in his career. I mean, he was phenomenal. You know, I think he's a hall of famer. We'll see what happens in the hall of fame boat. Um, but some of you know, his big moments really stand out. The 98 all-star game is, is a memory that's at the top of my mind. Ken Griffey Jr. I actually say Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite player. Todd Helton was my favorite Rocky. Um, but when Griffey put his hat on backwards, I thought that was the coolest thing. So, um, and I remember a lot of the festivities that surrounded that game. So those were some of the early memories. And then moving on, you know, later into my childhood, the 2007 world series was probably the greatest month of my life. If I'm, you know, speaking the truth, um, because I was able to get pulled out of school. We went to all the playoff games and, and that was just so cool because it was a culmination of my dad's work and, and everyone else's work in, in the organization. But we just saw firsthand what it took from my dad's perspective. And so, you know, it just, it just meant a little bit more because we had kind of been on the, the journey together and I'll never forget that month. Um, so there's a few memories that stand out. Those are just to name a few. Now, growing up, when did you realize, hey, you know, I think I might want to do something with sports broadcasting. Was it was it a first love or was it something that kind of came later on in life? So it's funny. Early in my childhood, you know, elementary school, I thought I wanted to work in the CIA, which is hilarious. But I... <laughs> really was fascinated by some of the people who I met who worked in the FBI. And then eventually I was able to meet a guy who actually worked in the CIA. And as a young kid, I was just so fascinated and thought it would be so cool um, to go on these secret missions and work for the government and, you know, be in foreign countries. And then as I got older, my parents said to me, you know, if you decide on that path, that's great and we'll support you. But we want you to understand that it would mean a lot of time away from friends and family. And you might not be able to have a family because it is so much time away and your missions might be six months at a time. And you should just consider that if, if you're going to go all in and, and deciding this is what you want to do. And so hearing that, I thought, OK, maybe that is what I want to do because I've always wanted a family and, you know, I, I do enjoy my social life, although it's funny because now I chose a profession that we work nights and weekends and, uh, you know, maybe don't have the, the social life that I envisioned. But I think when you ask about the turning point, when I switched my mind from, from wanting to be in the CIA, I thought, okay, well, what else do I want to do? And just because of my dad's position, I think sports was a natural choice. And at that point, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in sports. And I'm very thankful that there were other women on the TV. You know, Krista Thompson started her career with the Rockies and it was Alana Rizzo. Now it's Jenny Kavnar. Um, and so I saw those women. And then, uh, of course, I'm a huge fan of college football. And at the time, Aaron Andrews was on college game day and Melissa Stark was on Monday Night Football. And so just seeing other people who looked like me on TV, I thought, oh, well, that looks really fun. And um, then I was able to shadow some of them, you know, pretty early and, and thought, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. That was about in high school. And then I went to college and got a journalism degree and, and then here we are. So it's been, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. You went to the university of Arkansas. You bucked the family tradition about Colorado <laughs> state. I was looking, my brother lives in Colorado Springs. That's how, when oh, I remember nice. 
in, in 2020, when, when you were coming over to Chicago, my brother told me about, you know, hey, we got Taylor McGregor, she's awesome. You got to meet her. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, and so after college, what, you, you, you go to work in Wyoming in a small market there? Yeah, you've done your research. You, 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 <laughs> I'm quite impressed. Uh, yeah, so I, I got done with college and there was a ton of options sort of laid before me. And the two most common ones of women who quote unquote make it in the industry is you sort of start behind the scenes at maybe a bigger network, build relationships, and then you hope at some point they give you the chance to do some on-air stuff. Or you can go to a small market, get the reps, and then work your way up. And I had actually had an opportunity to work with a network behind the scenes as a production assistant right out of college. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then someone said, hey, you should talk to this other guy who's really high up at Fox Sports. And he'll give you some you know, advice on your career. And maybe this isn't the path that you want to take as far as the, the PA route. So I ended up talking to him and he was the one who said, hey, if you were my daughter, I would tell you to go to a small market. And so that's what I did. I went to Casper, Wyoming, Market 196. I was the weekend sports anchor and then was fortunate enough to become the sports director um, about a month into the job. It was awesome. I learned a ton. I was horrified to go there at first because, you know, you, you're done with college and all your friends are moving to these big cities and having all this fun. And I was moving to Casper, Wyoming, where I knew no one. It was freezing cold in the winter. And I was just so scared of like, what am I doing? Is this the right decision? And then by the end of it, I was sad to leave. I ended up meeting a ton of friends and got super plugged into a lot of the outdoorsy stuff in Wyoming and, and ended up having a great experience. So went from there to Little Rock. And then when I was in Little Rock, the Rockies job came open, was fortunate enough to get that job. And then two years later, the Cubs were launching Marquee and then was fortunate enough to get the job at Marquee. And now here I am in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, you know, it had to have been amazing to get that phone, you know, to realize, okay, that job's opening in Colorado. And obviously with your family history, it almost had to have been like a homecoming for you to kind of come back and be a part of the organization. Yeah, it was really just a dream come true. I remember it was a long process, the interview process. Um, I had interned there. So I knew a lot of the people and um, you know, I was super fortunate that they hired me because I know they went through a long process and I, I wasn't sure if, you know, my connection was going to hurt or help me, um, but they, they were awesome and ended up giving me a shot. So when they called me after like a six month interview process, I started crying and I just said, you know, this is a dream come true. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And, and they were awesome to me. And then you know, when the when the Cubs opportunity was presented to me, I at first thought, well, why would I leave home? And then it was the same people at that network who said, hey, you have a chance to go to Chicago and work with the Cubs like you need to go do that. And then um, ended up thinking about it more. And I had always loved the city of Chicago, had always loved Wrigley Field, had always had a ton of respect for Cubs fans because the way they travel to Coors Field. <laughs> and so ended up deciding, OK, I'm going to do this. And it has been the best decision I I just love it. And I'm so thankful to be a part of Marquee and, and kind of be a part of Cubs Nation in a way. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, obviously at Marquee, there, there are some, there's some rotation and different kind of people moving in and out. But in general, when I think of the team of you guys, it's you, uh, Boog and JD. I mean, those guys, the funny thing about all three of you, and I've gotten to talk to all three of you, is, is that you are exactly as you appear on camera. Like there's oh. no like, like Boog is Boog. You're, yeah, I mean, like 
it's, I, I've known some people on TV that when they're on TV, they, they're a certain way. And then when they're off, it's like, oh, the lights are off. It's a different, but like, when I look at you guys, it always looks like you're having a lot of fun and that you enjoy each other's company. I mean, as far as Boog and JD, what can you say about them that makes it fun to come to work? They're just the best. I mean, I think when you talk about us being our true selves on camera, like I'm so thankful to them that they bring that out of me because early on in your career and even early on with the Cubs, like I was so scared of almost showing that side because you're trying to make a good impression. And then you kind of realize like everybody wants you to be you and, and Boog and JD truly bring that out of me. And I think what it is, it's all those conversations leading up to the actual game broadcast, you know, JD, you know, because you've been a longtime Cub fan, his one-liners are about as good as anybody in the world. I mean, he'll say something and it kind of takes you a second to process like, wait a second. And then you, you know, you crack up laughing because he's just genuinely hilarious and he doesn't even really try to be he just like comes up with these one liners and um you know they're awesome and and then boog he's just the same you know he and he really has challenged me to be more of myself on air because like i said sometimes it can be scary like okay how what's the line here like what what line do we not want to cross from being complete goofballs um and and still being professional and he just toes the line perfectly and he's really helped me and you know he brings it out of me a lot a lot of times in the broadcast he just knows that i'm cracking up so he'll say to our producer and director like get a shot of taylor (laughs) just because he knows that's what i'm doing and so um you know he's been awesome and and both of those guys are genuine friends of mine and and people that I talk to about things, you know, both baseball and not. And I'm just, I'm just so fortunate that, like I said, I'm, I'm here in Chicago and I get to work with those guys because they make the job enjoyable. You know, it's a, it's a grind of a season. And if you don't have people who are really in your court and people who who you enjoy hanging out with, it can be a long year. And fortunate for me, I love those guys. Now, as a field reporter, you know, I, uh, walk me behind the scenes a little bit. So you probably kind of have certain things like little stories that you're working on, but occasionally you're going to have to make a pivot because something happens and, and all, maybe all of a sudden the producer's shouting in your ear. How does that usually work? You mean like in game? In game, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, you know, I'll go into the clubhouse and have a list of story ideas and things that I want to talk about. And I'll usually send that to my producer so he can build elements, you know, photos that go along with the story or whatever it may be. And then throughout the broadcast, we're communicating, okay, um, you know, I have a story on Ian Happ and he's due up the next inning. Let's do it there. Um, So those are pretty easy when it comes to taking it out of break because you know who's coming up. But then there's times in game where, I might have talked to Jan Gomes that day. And then the guys in the booth just organically are talking about Jan Gomes. And then I'm like, Oh wait, I can add on this. I talked to Jan. And so then I get in my producer's ear and I'm like, Hey, I can add to this. And then it's up to Boog to really know when to throw down to me. And, you know, that's usually right after a pitch. So I have, you know, 10, 15, whatever seconds until the next pitch is thrown. Cause again, It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's not, it, I never want to talk through action. Sometimes it just happens, um, but it's always a goal of mine to try and avoid the action. So um, really, it, again, it's up to Boog to kind of get it down to me. And then I try to be quick and, and get it back up to them. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I don't know they're coming and Boog will just say, Taylor, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I have to be prepared for that moment as well. Um, but I know everybody always asks, like, what's it like being in a role that's sort of limiting? And and there's no doubt that it's limiting when it comes to the amount of time we're on air, right? Like I do a ton of work, but only on the air for maybe five minutes out of the whole broadcast. Um, and I'm really glad the producer, Mike Leary in Chicago, Todd Benjaminson, also a producer for us. They're really good at getting me into the broadcast because that's not always the case in other markets, you know, producers might not utilize the field reporter as much. So I just feel like our group collectively is really awesome when it comes to understanding my role and, and, you know, making me feel like I'm valued within the broadcast. And I'm super thankful for that. Now I'm going to put this picture up here and I'll describe it to the podcast. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> this is a picture of Taylor looking very professional and <laughs> Am myself. I, looking professional? I look like I'm lounging with Crawley out in the grass and it was awesome. Yeah, it's myself. I, of course, don't even have my shoes on or my sandals there. And then we have Stuart McVicker from Club 400. And so you did an interview with us in spring training. But, you know, it's interesting to me because I know the chaos that is Wrigley Field or is any baseball park, but especially Wrigley or Sloan Park. You know, do you ever like walk that tightrope and get a little bit nervous to see what's going to happen next as you're on air? Yeah, especially around fans. And that and that was actually funny because at spring training, my producer will be like, hey, go interview fans. And I'm not going to lie, that is a little bit intimidating just because you don't know what someone's going to say. And, you know, somebody could be completely lying about their story for all I know. You know, I'm just trusting their word. And so um, it does get a little bit scary when he requests me to, you know, go out in the bleachers or, or whatever it may be. Uh, but it's also the fun of live television. You know, I mean, those, you got blown up after, you know, we were on air there. All your friends were like, oh my gosh. And, and you could have said whatever you wanted and it was going out live on air. And in a way it could have made great, I mean, it was great TV, but you know, if let's say it's a random person who I don't know what they're going to say, they end up saying something crazy. Well, you know what? That's live TV. And, and <laughs> I always say this, it is baseball Absolutely. And we respect the game and we want to tell the stories of the game. But at the end of the day, it's entertainment and, and it's OK to have fun with that. And if unexpected things happen, you know, my bosses might not like it, but I'm OK with it. And I think at the end of the day, they are, too, because they understand things happen on live TV. And that's sort of what makes it entertaining. Right. And when you talk about the history of Cubs on TV, and, and especially when I think of WGN and Arnie Harris and, and Harry Carey and yeah. kind of these guys that built on it, they, you know, it, it would have been something as dumb as a kid eating an ice cream cone, right? And, and you're just watching every inning as that ice cream cone's getting lower. It's little things like it's not just all about X's and O's. I mean, it's part of the game, mm -hmm. but part of what makes what's always made Wrigley in my opinion, especially on broadcasting fun is that like, when you look at the scenes from the crowd, you say to yourself, I want to be there. I want to go to Wrigley field. Yep. That's kind of the magic of it. And the fans are part of that. You know what I'm saying? I uh, no, absolutely. And there were some moments, you know, this, this past year, I remember there was a grandma and, and her, her, um, 
grandson out in the bleachers and they were holding up a sign. And to be honest, I don't even remember what the sign said, but, or I think it was something about boob, like hi boob or something. I can't remember. And, um, I was like, I'm going to go out there. I told my producer, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go interview that grandma. And, and usually, you know, again, sometimes I'm a little bit timid to go do that because you don't know what people are going to say, but I was like, you know what, this is part of what makes Wrigley amazing. And there are so many Cub fans who can relate to that moment of, Oh, I remember going to my first, I think it might've been like high boo gets my first Cubs game or something, but you know, there are fans who can relate to that going to Wrigley field for the first time with their grandma, their grandpa, whoever it may be. And to me, that's what makes our organization and, and Wrigley so special. And we should tell those stories, you know, and, and I love when our director gets shot of, like you said, shots of, you know, people in the fans or like something that became so big this year was Fabian, the ball boy down the left field line. And like JD <laughs> just casually said, Oh, you know, Fabian making some plays. And then it kind of evolved when I had asked Rafael Ortega, if he knew him, like, do the players know what's going on there? And he was like, yeah, like, I'm going to tell him tonight that I like his plays. And then it just like evolved into something. But again, that's what makes Wrigley special. The fact that there are those moments. And then there were fans behind him, you know, holding up signs and, and telling him, Hey, you're on the broadcast. And, and so just telling those stories of, of the fans at Wrigley, it, it's, it's, it's the best. Absolutely. And so what, that Fabian was, I mean, I think he got on like obvious shirt or something. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he became a superstar. You know, Joe, Joe's always got those presses and he's always ready to go, but he's the best. you know, I, I sit here and I think about it as far as you're concerned, you know, you are in the dugout a lot and you get to know the players. Um, obviously when you came in 2020, you didn't get as much time say with the Rizzos or the Bryants as much, but like, say like a guy like Wilson Contreras, who it always seemed like you guys always enjoyed kind of talking to each other in the interviews, you know, it's part of the business, but again, we're human beings. Like we, we, we get to know these guys and, and stuff like that. How hard is it for you when all of a sudden you see a guy like Wilson and how weird is it going to be to see him in Cardinal red? Yeah. I've thought about that. I, I think in a way I'm, I'm happy he's in the division just based on the fact that I'll get to see him more because I always enjoyed my interactions with Wilson. He was always a great interview. He wore his heart on his sleeve and I really appreciated the honesty that he gave me and the rest of the media. Um, really appreciated that was, was pumped up for him that he got a big free agent contract. He certainly deserves that. And so, um, like I said, I'll, I'll be excited to, to see him. And, and I think when, when you ask the question of just, sort of getting emotionally invested in a way, right? I mean, the fans get emotionally invested and I think I do too. Like I cheer for the people who I like and the people who are good to me. And um, and there's a real element of that within this job. And I think one thing that I've grown as a reporter is like letting my guard down a little bit and, and building those relationships. Because I think early on, I was so scared, like professionalism, professionalism, professionalism. And I think I sacrificed a little bit of, building those human relationships. And now, you know, I've been covering baseball now for six seasons. And, and so I feel like in a way I've established a little bit about who I am and, and um, it's allowed me to kind of let that guard down of like, okay, I've established that I am professional. And so now like, I'm, I know who I can be within the clubhouse and, and the things I can and cannot do. And, 
And it's just allowed me to, you know, build those relationships probably stronger than I, I did when I first started my career. And, and ultimately, I think that's why I'm enjoying what I'm doing so much is because of those relationships. You know, this job would not be nearly as enjoyable without the people that I, who I work with every single day. And so I'm thankful uh, not only for the athletes that we get to cover, but like I mentioned, all the broadcasters, we have a phenomenal coaching staff. I love all our coaches and, um, and th those guys just make it so enjoyable. Now, they just had Marquis just held the press conference for Trey Mancini. I think it was a Zoom one. But mm -hmm. how excited are you about this 2023 upcoming season? A lot of new names, but but it looks like, you know, just from a fan's perspective, you're kind of just looking at this like, hey, this team could be kind of sneaky good. What, what are your thoughts coming into it? And how excited are you about the start of the season? Yeah, I think the first thing that stands out to me when you ask that question is I got to do the sit down interview with Dansby Swanson at CubsCon. And he's been very vocal. He came here to win and he wants to win. And, and that's one thing we talked about was look at the division. The division is very winnable. And with the pieces that the Cubs have added, you're sort of sitting there. Well, why can't they win the division? You know, I think they, they added pitching depth, which ultimately was a big downfall of them a year ago. And, and they've certainly added some bats. Now, some of those it's sort of wait and see, like who knows Cody Bellinger could have a, even if he just has an average year, like he's going to provide gold glove caliber defense up the middle, which is a huge element to any baseball team. And then if he can be average offensively with some of the other pieces, like I'm just excited um, to see what this group could do. I'm really excited. Trey Mancini, I've just heard so much about his clubhouse presence and, and Dansby Swanson. I've already felt sort of the tone he's set within the clubhouse and, and just the guys he's been around and, and how he has a, really strong desire to win and that's what he expects to do. And so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think every year that I've been in Chicago, you know, the first, especially, you know, 2020, you sort of thought the same thing. Okay. This team could win the division. COVID happened. They still won the division, although it didn't maybe look, look the same as what it would have in a 162 game season. And then you went in the next year and you thought, okay, this is a little scary. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then the trade deadline happened and then we saw what happened after that. Um, and then last year, I, I don't think anybody thought too highly of the team going in. Um, they thought, okay, maybe. But I, just my point in all of that is I think this is the first year I've been in Chicago where I'm really confident that they could win a division, um, with the exception of 2020, I should say. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get on to spring. Speaking of spring, Taylor, I just want to thank you very much for coming on and I hope to have you on in the future. And I'm hoping to see you in Arizona and Mesa to have uh, some pizza and beer and, and watch some spring training baseball. It's going to be fun. The world baseball classic going to be exciting. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for this pizza. You've talked it up now. So I definitely have to taste that. And yeah, I can't wait to see you at some, some tailgates and maybe on the outfield, who knows, maybe I'll have to do another interview with you out there. We'll see. Um, but it was, it was great chatting with you and I love the Cubs emblem light behind you. That's a nice touch, by the way, I forgot to tell you. That is fly the wood, Bill Watts. He just made a beautiful one for Brennan Davis. He does all sorts of crazy work. And, and so mm -hmm. I'll make sure to get you his info and that way you can uh, yeah. maybe get one of your own. Maybe I should. I would love that. Awesome. With a, with an, and, and you know what? Brennan says, Davis, yours can say McGregor on it. It'd be really cool. Or I could just put Crawley, you know, because I was <laughs> was on your podcast. So that's my claim to fame. Well, there, you know what, Taylor? <laughs> Sounds good to me. And thank you so much for coming on and we'll see you this season. All right. I can't wait.
Take care.